My name is Owen Flynn and welcome to episode 6 of Trail Running Ireland podcast. Hey everybody, hope the training is going fantastic. We have a super episode this week and first off we have Simon Kelly of the Waterfall Trail Running Festival giving us some exciting news regarding real races to look forward to as well as the continued success of the world of virtual races. Rene Borg talks to us about the importance of working with a coach and also the importance of speed in your training plan. And finally our feature interview is with a Frenchman, Fred Verdier who has been flying the Irish trail running flag proudly over the last few years and turned his vision of a world-class trail running race in Ireland into a reality. Everybody, get your running gear on. Let's go. Hey everybody, welcome indeed to episode 6 of Trail Running Ireland. First of all, a big thank you to everybody who got in touch after last week's interview with Ian Conroy from Rohini Shamrocks. Ian gave us at times a very emotional and fascinating insight into the highs and lows of his running career over the last 11 years and how he has got the most out of himself and he spoke about some of the sacrifices he has made to get to the top of his sport, mountain running and get his 21 international Irish caps. So make sure to check it out if you haven't listened to it yet, of course, on CastBox, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. This week, guys, we've got a really interesting interview with Fred Verdier, the man behind Eco Trail Wicklow. And Fred gives us a really honest account of his highs and lows of getting that race off the ground last year and what it means to him, the local community in Bray, in and in Wicklow and how important the race is in terms of marketing Wicklow locally and abroad internationally as well. Fred also talks to us about the sleepless nights that he's had this year thinking about whether the race would go ahead or not and thankfully it looks like it will have a big green light come September 26th. Eco Trail they are of course our show sponsor as well so a big thank you to them as always and it was great to see their new initiative launched over the last week the Eco Trail Blazers team supported by Hoka and numerous running shops around the country where 12 people will get a free entry to Eco Trail and free Hoka shoes as well to compete in their very first trail race in September good luck to all those that have been chosen um, on this very cool new adventure and they are in good hands with our own coaching expert Rene Borg looking after them with training plans as well so guys let's kick off the show and with my normal man on the ground Rory Long off gallivanting around the mountains of Norway somewhere Simon Kelly race director of Waterville Trail Running Festival down in Kerry has kindly stepped in to tell us what's happening racing wise so let's dial Simon in from his base down in the heart of County Kerry Simon Kelly from the Waterville Trail Running Festival. Simon, great to have you on board in Trail Running Ireland. Yeah, thanks, Owen. It's a pleasure to be here and it's great to be chatting. No, thanks a bit, Simon, for filling in this week. And Simon, what news do you have for us regarding the, the racing scene all over Ireland? 
Well, there's loads of news, Owen. I mean, with lockdown, it's presented so many opportunities for, you know, more diverse events. So I'll get straight into it. I mean, leading off with some IMRA news and the great news of the Wicklow Round. So the Wicklow Round, one of the epic uh, challenges in Irish trail and mountain running, I think it was made more prominent there with the film Coming Home, Ekchaktawalia, from your former guest there, Paddy O'Leary. Well, uh, recently, on the 20th of June, it was completed by Graeme Bush. And the very next day, Greg Clark went out and had a fantastic day out and completed it also. So there's loads of detail up on the IMRA website. I imagine there'll be a race report up there soon. And just hats off, it's a really, really tough challenge. And it's great to see people getting out. I'm sure we'll see many, many more taking it on in the coming weeks and months now that they've had that lockdown to sharpen their skills and also whet their appetites. Fantastic, Simon. And did any of them get close to, I believe Gavin Byrne has the record for that now. Did any of them get close to Gavin's time? Well, no. I mean, the, the times that have come in, I'm aware of Greg, of, um, Greg's time. Graham hasn't posted his time as yet, but Greg did it in just over 17 hours, which is, listen, a fantastic result in time. You know, Gavin's is, I hate to say, a bit of an anomaly. Um, it's was just incredible. Everything came together, but it wasn't for lack of preparation. Gavin was out there months and months and months in advance of that. So it'll be very, very tough to see someone get past that time. I'd say it'll stand for a long, long time. Unless, as Gavin has threatened himself, he might go out and try and take it down himself again. Sure, well, he's a great mentor runner, Gavin. He's, he's really good on the downhill sections as well. No better man to try and break his own record. Uh, isn't it great to see, Simon, like, that there's actually a bit of racing going on that isn't just virtual racing. The, the virtual races that have kept us going over the last couple of weeks, I know you, you were involved in the 1,000-mile virtual race over in Tennessee and had a great result with the Irish team with a second um, place on the international podium there but it's great to see some real racing going on Absolutely, I mean it's wonderful to see all the stories that people are out in the hills and they are sharing their runs and their, their own mini races now that we can meet up in small numbers and once the racing opens up I think there's going to be some people looking very fit and sharp and relishing the challenge to get out and show all the work that's been done during lockdown Sure. Well, what else is coming up, um, Simon, whether it's virtual or some real running? Well, there's loads sticking with IMRA. The Reek skyline is still slated for the 18th of July. They are pushing to get this done and make sure it happens. And the very next day in the same region is the Carantil Classic, which is on the 19th of July. They said that entries will open soon. So do keep an eye on the IMRA website. And also, in addition to that, they're talking about adding a race in Dublin, Wicklow for the same weekend. So I'm sure there's huge demand for people to get out there and fair play to Imra. They're pushing through. They're making sure that there is a small number of races done really well and they will open entries as soon as they can. And they've got the green light um, on their the site. They, the, after that, the Ballyhora Peak Marathon is listed now, you may know a little bit about this because it is planned to be the qualifier for the World Mountain Running Association Long Distance Championship, which are over near you in Lanzarote at the Harrier Extreme in November. 
They are indeed, Simon, yeah. I was talking to some of the Irish squad during the week. We have our own little group WhatsApp message group, and they're all gearing up for it. Anybody that's abroad is, you know, has their finger ready to go to, on the button to buy the flights home for it. And then, of course, all the Irish-based athletes as well. They have it all marked on the calendar. And I know from talking to the high-performance manager in Imre, um, Robbie Williams, that he's been getting lots of interest from people that maybe before weren't on the trails as much as before but they're good quality athletes and they're looking forward to giving it a go this year i can imagine with the lockdown people have become creative who used to run roads predominantly have hit the trails so there'll be a big shake-up i'd say there'll be a lot of new names but most of all it's going to be the enthusiasm and you know a rising sea raises all boats and that's what we're looking forward to just going from strength to strength in trail running and running in general Ah, oh, no, no, super. Um, anything outside of the Imra world, Simon, to, to look forward to? There's so much on, and I'll just touch on a few. Um, there's the Seven Sisters Mountain Marathon and Half Marathon, which is on the 28th of July in Donegal. It's going to be a tough test coming out of hibernation for people. 4,000 vertical metres in the marathon. It's going to be a tough test. Um, the Kerryway Ultra Festival is happening as well in September, the very start of September. They have four events down there. They have the Ultra Light, which is 58K. They have the Ultra Night, which starts at midnight through the night, a 93K race. Then they've got the Ultra Relay, which gives an opportunity for a team of three to take on the full Kerryway, which is 200K, and they can tag in and out at different rest stops to cover the route. And then finally, the original the Kerryway Ultra, which is the long loop, Killarney to Killarney, and that's 200k. That's open for entry at the moment at kerrywayultra.com. And I believe, again, entries are flying in there as people are really, really gearing up to get out in the trails. And so have you look- recovered, Simon, from your 1,000 miles across ten- Tennessee? Have you signed up for any of them yourself? Well, I, I'm signed up for the Kerryway Ultra and uh, still very much focused on that, very optimistic for that. Um, the virtual race across Tennessee, I was going to touch on a bit later because it's still underway. Uh, Laz gave the option of going back and then back again. And one of the Irish in Jill McCann has actually done an over and back in just 45 days, which is 2,044 kilometers in four, 45 days given her an average of 45.5k per day and she's also 12th overall out of 19,000 entries it's phenomenal wow incredible and apologies i might have said a thousand miles before it's just the 1000 kilometers that these guys are running across to um, tennessee um incredible simon well listen i, I hope you have lots of time to, to get your training in because i know your your holiday homes business down in waterfall is back open for business on monday which is great to see the the local economy down there opening up i'm sure yourself and myself we, we want to give that message out there to everybody listening in to, to support local this summer to why not holiday in ireland this summer and down in Kerry, you've got if you're a runner you've got lots of running options down there and you've got a beautiful place to stay in the holiday home villages that Simon looks after as well. Um, Simon, on the international scene, just to give you the latest news on that, 
there's two big races that I wanted to touch on in this episode. The first one was the Spartan Trail World Championships. And this is something that I know that you would love. Um, if you had the time and if you had a nice big bank account um, to buy all these plane tickets, you could do this race series over the next couple of months and it would bring you to Lavaredo in Italy, Fial Marathon in Sweden, the Kodiak Big Bear in California in September, La Ruta Trail, Costa Rica, 13th of November, Patagonia on the 27th of November in Argentina, and then it finishes up in my backyard here in the Transgran Canaria in the 128k or 42k race here. It's a brand new trail running race series, Simon. We already have, of course, the Ultra Trail World Tour, the Golden Trail Series, the Sky Running. This is another one that comes from America. When they originally announced it a couple of months ago before coronavirus broke out, just before it broke out, they had a prize fund of $270,000. They've reduced it down to $140,000 for those races. But if you like traveling, if you like trail running, if you're willing to take the chance at the minute, you've got six incredible trail running races there to keep you going over the autumn. Well, I think I'll have to wait until uh, I can get a lend of the private jet or something to get around to those. So maybe in a few years. Oh, absolutely. The next one, Simon, that I wanted to mention was we've mentioned the UTMB a couple of times on the podcast over the last couple of weeks. The race, of course, was cancelled for the end of August, but they've gone to the virtual race world as well. And they have announced a four distance four races and um, virtual race from the 20th of July to the 30th of August with all entry fees in aid of the WWF France not the World Wrestling Federation the World Wildlife Fund one of the leading organizations in wildlife conservation and endangered species so if you didn't get to go to Chamonix and um, this summer you can do it from home through the computer with their virtual race options before we finish this segment of the show, Simon, was there anything else that you wanted to mention? Yeah, it was remiss of me not to mention that there's a new trail festival happening in Dublin, the Dublin Mountain Trail Festival. It's happening in Glencullen on the 27th and 28th of November, and they're bringing four events. So from 10K, there's a 25K, there's a 50K, and there's a 100K. It's all going to be run on a 25-meter loop, so a good chance to meet with runners of other distance and really rub shoulders there and have fun also um it's open for entry online now and they're very limited by numbers so the dublin mountain trail festival if you google it you'll find it there and it looks like it could be a really good event so i've been checking it out myself and i might even hop into the 100k if i can get registered It'd be a nice trip home to Dublin for you, Simon. And I've actually I've seen some of their announcements on social media over the last couple of weeks. And they're, they look like they're really trying to put on a good show. They made a really special effort, I think, with some nice trophies that I saw um, on their Facebook page during the week for those lucky enough to, to win them in November. And um, yeah, something new, something different. And fair play to them. They've been doing some, I think, some video interviews over the last couple of months as well to help everybody get through the, the lockdown too so great great to see some new entrepreneurs in the trail running scene absolutely and just to touch on one other the virtual races i know we've had a lot of them but there is a malin to mizzen virtual race happening on and it starts on the first of july 
it gives you six months to complete the distance. So you have up until the 31st of December. So really anyone with any level of fitness who wants to just knock out a couple of miles, a couple of kilometers a day, tick them off and have a nice goal at the end. It's 600K, so not to be sniffed at. But it's one of those things that I certainly have found through the Tennessee race that having that little spreadsheet to put your number in at the end of the day, it feels really nice and kind of validates that you're ticking off those boxes and you're making really good progress. Yeah, it just helps get through the training, doesn't it, Simon? And then um, they're all super ideas and a fair play to everybody that's behind them. Simon, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show this week. Thanks a mil for all the race news there. Good luck with your training. Good luck when things open for you on Monday down in the Waterville Holiday Homes. Hope it all goes well. Thanks a million, Owen. Take care of yourself and hopefully see you on the trail soon. My name's Sarah McCormack. My name is Brian Fury. My name is Nicola Duncan. My name is Zach Hanna. My name is Mark Ryan. I'm a mountain runner. 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 Hi, my name is Harriet and I'm a mountain runner. You're listening to Trail Running Ireland. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And you've just heard the voices of the superstars of the Irish mountain and trail running team. And superb athletes who have been giving it everything for Ireland over the last couple of years. Which also means that it's time to call in our resident coaching expert, René Borg. René, how's it going? It's going well, Owen. How are you? Good. Not too bad at all, René. And René, what we wanted to speak about this week was about putting a training plan in place for your mountain and trail running races that will be happening hopefully very, very soon. And I think, you know, listeners, they've probably seen marathon road running plans over the years. There's lots of different types out there. There's lots of different coaches, online coaches, marathon coaching books. But of course, we can also do very good training plans for the mountains and the trails. And I know you've been busy preparing some trail running plans for Eco Trail, for example. Yes, as sometimes, you know, the topics we have on this call, we've planned kind of a long time ahead. And I think other times the topic kind of drops um, in my lap, Owen, because it's I, I'm working on something with a client or a business. And I just think, oh, this could be an interesting topic uh, for people, uh, hopefully, to listen to. And and this was kind of the case with the training plans for, um, in general, for trail running, because as we said, we have this eco trail um, training plan schedule coming out. The idea is that this year we are focusing on a twelve-week build-up, you know, so which is basically the last three months before the event. Um, in future years, we'll probably roll out some longer build-ups as well. But just because the whole situation has been so crazy this year, we thought let's just help people get the last three months before the event uh, right. So that means I was sitting preparing these plans for the 13th of July, I think it is. And at the same time, I had my regular clients um you know, I was working with them on their plans and then I had people emailing me saying, you know, I hear you involved with this eco trail thing. Um, could you do me up a plan for the ATK and what will be involved in that? And it was quite interesting because when you work with a person, you know, who comes to you and says, you know, can you help me specifically? It's a very different process 
from when you sit down and say, I'm going to write this plan for an audience um, of many people. You know, I don't know any of them. Uh, all I know is I'm going to categorize one bucket as beginners and I'm going to categorize another bucket as, let's say, intermediate runners and the final bucket I might call advanced runners. And so it's very different process. And I thought maybe it could be interesting for the trail runners and maybe coaches as well who listen here just to go into a little bit, you know, how do we actually do that planning process and how is it different when you work one-on-one -on -one with a person which is actually similar a little bit to when you self-coach because you obviously know yourself. You might not be honest with yourself, but you do know yourself. Whereas when you're trying, if let's say you're a club coach, there might be a few of them listening. Uh, you often have this problem that, God, I have 50 people in my club and they all want to do this same race and I have to write them maybe one or two or three different plans. But no matter how well I write those plans, there's going to be, it's not going to suit every individual 100%. Sure. It's a fascinating topic, Rene, and I know even myself over the years, um, Adam Jones in Lafarnham was a great coach to me and some of the lads. I was also coached with Michael McGovern in Crusaders, Jerry Kiernan, had a season with Jerry as well. I I've read all the coaching books as well. Jack Daniels, I followed his coaching formula for a while and at the end of it all now, I'm pretty much self-coached. So I I'm fascinated to see you know, the advantages and disadvantages of what you're talking about, the, the general plans and then the individualized plans as well. So dying to hear what you have to say. Well, maybe let's start. Let's imagine there's two trail runners, hypothetical ones listening to this call right now. So we have the complete beginner um, who wants to do these races for the first time, you know, such as the people who are coming on board for that Trailblazers project that you might have mentioned already. Um, but these beginners who are coming in to do Eco Trail. And then let's take the other example, someone more like yourself, Owen, someone with a lot of experience who is practically self-coached because they have so much information about training that you can make most of the decisions for yourself. So when you sit down and say, well, how am I going to decide what training plan to, to get or to concoct for my race, the beginner will benefit most, to my mind, from a, an individual plan from an experienced coach. And the reason for that is that they don't yet know how to fill in most of the blanks. You know, they don't have a lot of the training theory. They're not familiar with a lot of the rules of thumb that you need to know to, to make the right decisions day by day. They won't be familiar with things such as simple training progressions. You know, how do I go from workout A1 to workout A2 and so on and so forth. So for them, there's just so many questions and so much work they would need to put in to put together a plan that you know a great option would be get the coach let him do all the work suck all of the knowledge out of their brain over the first uh, say years you work with them and the only alternative you have really as a beginner otherwise is to to go to some kind of template plan so this is one thing we are working on for for eco trail um, it's very similar to what you'd see on the Dublin marathon website you can go out and you can see here's a beginner marathon plan so we're going to try and do a beginner 18k plan we're not doing beginner 28, 45 and 80K plans. Uh, the, the reason being, we think the beginner should do the 18K. Um, and that if you're considering 28, 45, 80, you have a bit more experience than just a beginner by and large. That's our assumption. So these are the two options for the beginner. You know, And in the template plan, what the beginner can do generally is they can just execute. And as they execute, 
they kind of will learn things as they go. So that provides a little bit of a comforting framework for the beginner. The only downside is that they, the plan when they look at it on the website mightn't suit them 100% because maybe the long run is on Sunday, but you can only get out on a Saturday. Or maybe the plan says you need to train Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday, but they're not the days that suit you and so on and so forth. So even for the beginner and just using a template plan like that, you might have to do some work. So it's it's really a decision for you as the beginner. Do you feel comfortable that you can take a template and make those modifications? And if you can't, then I think you should find some coach um, who can help you do all that. Yeah, it's a great point, Rennie, because I'm sure that the vast majority of people who are starting run, running, um, they do just you know download the, the general plan from whatever website they're looking at, or they go to the library, they take out a book, or they, they buy whatever the latest, coolest training methodology is. Um, but as you're saying, that will only work to a certain extent, that it's so important that you have a qualified, experienced coach working with you, especially at the start, to help avoid, you know, the dreaded injuries, to make sure that you progress well as well. And, you know, things like maybe joining your local athletics running club or a trail running group where you get a chance to speak to an experienced coach or go online and, and buy and invest in the experience of a coach and um, i think it's certainly worth doing but i suspect that the majority of people don't do it yeah that's probably true i think running coaching is, is it's a growing industry um in terms there's more and more it's like in ireland it's obviously a small country so you see it a little bit less but in america there's thousands thousands of professional running coaches and probably tens of thousands of non-professional or amateur running coaches uh, so it, it, there are many, but it's by no means as common a thing to go and get help with as, let's say, personal training, you know, for, or if you go and you do things like yoga and Pilates, I think there's more of a culture to get instructions in those things, but it's changing. Um, but I think the, before we kind of go to the experienced competitor and, and, and how they choose, it's worth saying the biggest pitfall when you pick a template plan, whether it be from a book or a website, is that it mightn't take into account your starting point. So that's the one big thing. Like if you are, if you are thinking, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to look up some kind of standardized plan for myself and I'm just going to use that as a template, make sure that where that plan starts is not very far from where you let off. So if you're currently training, let's say just let's say you're just training four hours per week um, and the plan starts at seven hours per week, you know, that's not the right plan then because there's too much of a gap there. So, so, so that's, that's the, if there's one thing you consider and you forget to consider everything else, let it be that, you know, pick a plan that's close to your current level. Go Sorry, say, go ahead. No, I was just going to say as well that especially at that starting point that it's so beneficial and um, to have the arm around the shoulder as well isn't it that the first couple of weeks when you're starting off it can be the hardest and um, it can be hard to motivate yourself but then sometimes you can be too motivated hence why it's so important to have that coach there either to encourage you or to slow you down yeah i, do, I try to do it in two ways so in in those template plans that we develop 
I, I put in step back weeks to kind of as a bit of a hint, a big hint in neon saying this week, I want you to slow down. And it's, it's just like a safeguard because I do get people who come to me and say, is it really necessary to have a step back week, you know, every three or four weeks? And I say it mightn't be, but it's actually safer, you know, okay. because there's more benefit from usually there's more benefit from taking of, of risking a little bit of detraining a little bit earlier than you needed than to plow through and, and risk the accident. So mm-hmm. it, it's better to be a little bit risk averse unless you're an elite runner who is operating, you know, in, in this kind of world of m- marginal gains, which is a very different world from the, you know, the, the normal athlete. Um, I, I know you mentioned, um, Rennie, as well, that one of the key elements when you're devising the training plan for athletes is the speed part of it. And people might not necessarily think that they will be working at high speeds or working their fast switch muscle fibers from the beginning. But I think from talking to you beforehand, you were saying that, yes, absolutely speed. And even in the mountains and on the trails, speed is actually very important. Yes, we mentioned we, this thing called a polarized approach, uh, which is where training theory have, has gone. So in the old days, the, there was a stereotype that base training is just all this long, slow stuff. And it turned a lot of runners into what has been described in some books as distance bums, uh, which it just gets so comfortable going out every day and just, you know, shuffling away at a nice, relaxed pace. Um, but And this then led to this an idea that speed is injurious, you know, that it's automatically something that will injure you and you need to be really careful. You need to very slowly build up and only very late in the plan do you do you bring in the dangerous speed. Um, I should say for balance, there is another school of thought where speed is front, right, left and center, uh, which is it does it is is risky. But we'll, let's leave that aside maybe for the moment. Um, so basically, the whole idea with speed is that if you, if you do, actually, this, the best way to describe it is, is, is this. Let's say that the maximum speed you can run at is 30 kilometers per hour. Then that's what your body considers basically 100% effort. So if you in your early training go out and you do a few, let's say, 10-second strides as, as 30 kilometers per hour, which would be pretty fast for most people, that is not a problem because it's very short um, and it has a lot of benefits and it maintains what we call your maximum or your pure speed. But then you might say, but I'm an endurance runner. I'm going to go out and run 18K or 50K or whatnot. So, you know, why would I spend time doing this if there's a chance I can get injured? It doesn't have any relevance whatsoever. So what they have found over the years is that there is a direct correlation if you look at marathon finishing times, this was elite runners again, but you could actually predict based on their 100 meter time how they would finish in relationship to each other. There was a very strong correlation. So this means that your basic speed somehow also dictates how fast are you going to finish on all other distances, you know, as long as you have trained the endurance. And the reason for that is that if your top speed is 30 kilometers per hour, and let's say you go out in a trail run and you clock into four minutes per kilometer, that's 15 kilometers per hour, what your mind is going to say is, oh, this is 15 out of 30. It's 50% of my max. And the brain will then say, that's not so bad. You know, I don't need to freak out here. We can cruise along at this pace. 
But then let's say you go away for three years and you say, this is speed business. I want to ignore that. Um, and I'm, you just ignore speed. You just do long and slow stuff. And your base speed drops, let's say, to 26 kilometers per hour. You can't sprint any faster anymore. So now when you go and run 15 kilometers per hour, the brain says, ooh, 15 out of 26, that's maybe over 60% of maximal effort. And this actually has a negative impact on how easy it is to run at all of those slower paces. So that's why it actually influences your performance over all distances if you allow your top speed to drop. Mm, so, yeah. so I hope uh, that wasn't too complicated, Owen. But that's um, that's no, I'd I well believe it, Renny. And I know, like my old marathon coach Adam Jones that I mentioned earlier, um, on the roads, he used to have us all do a 800 meter um, test, maybe about I think two and a half weeks before the the marathon. Um, and from that 800 meters, he could um, pretty much guess what we were going to accurately guess what we were going to run in Dublin or whatever it might be and then the, the results they were they were very very close to what we had actually run on race day so I've seen it before and I, and I know in my own training Renny what I try to do and it'd be interesting to see if you agree with this approach or not is that maybe at least two days a week and um, probably at the end of my easy runs and um, I would try and maybe find 100 meters on grass and literally do seven, eight seconds and um, going from slow running to my top speed. Very, very casual, very relaxed. But just at the end of the run, when the muscles are a bit tired, then I try and recruit those fast switch fibers and maybe, you know, do 60, 70 meters approaching full speed at least twice a week. Yeah, I think that's a very elegant way to implement it all. And that's how a lot of, especially runners who, who have to pack in a lot of other things, do it. You know, they, they, there comes a stage in a training plan where this type of top speed work just has to be a spice that you, you put, as you say, at the end of a, an easy run, which has certain specific advantages, you know, such as recruiting a lot of fibers when you're tired. Um, there's more traditional approaches, which is just to do what is called a, a New Zealand fart lake, which means you run for an hour and you just throw some strides in, you know, of uh, 75 to 100 meters. Um, that, and there's many other variations of that. Hill sprints are used in the same way. Um, and... The way in the plans we have done up for the autumn, what I looked at is that, you know, we have to have this kind of polarized training, which means we want most of the volume to be easy. Um, but if you actually look at the plans when they come out, you'll see there's quite a lot of sessions that mention something that has fast stuff in it, you know, like hill sprints and like very pace running and fart lakes and things like this. So, when you look at a plan at first glance, you might be, oh, wow, there's a lot of days here with speed. But it's actually more like what you describe. We are just trickling in some top speed work so you never lose all the other gears that you possess. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and then, of course, later on in the plan, there are some sessions, which are the really hard sessions, where you have what they call extensive speed work. You know, where, for instance, you might do a kilometer or a mile fast or something like that several times which that's what's hard on the body, but it's not those kind of short uh, sprint efforts trickled in. They are only a problem if you already carry an injury, you know, like a, a lower leg injury or something like that. 
Sure. Well, I know any whether you're fighting for the race win or back in a hundred or back in a thousand or even coming into the finish line on your own, there's no better feeling than being able to uh, muster up a, a 60, 70 meter sprint just before you get to the finish line in whatever race you're, you're doing. And of course, you'll only be able to do that and enjoy that if you practice and um, speed and training. Um, another point, Remy, that I wanted to ask was when you're preparing these trail running plans, how do you combine the work required for running uphill and running downhill? Is it a 50-50 approach for, for each skill? It's not for the skill, no. It, it, it's in terms of the, you know, the absolute uphill and downhill. It, it, it generally is uh, equal because most people will do runs that start and finish at the same place. You know, so if um, for, for most plans, if we have a goal in a certain week of running 700 meters, that's up and downhill because, you know, you will, that's, that's how the runs you do will work out naturally. But in terms of where the focus is, in terms of the workouts we design, such as, let's say, hill sprints or hill repetitions and things like that, for most people, I put by far the most focus on the uphill. And the reason is, if you look at, if you actually look at how much time in a race you spend uphill versus downhill, it's roughly 60% of the race you spend running up, and it's 40% obviously then you spend running downhill. And I had a very good example from this previous weekend where we were doing, we were doing a bit of a time trial up on Scar Mountain here in Wicklow. And the, the first and second finisher in that time trial, on the uphill, there was nearly three minutes between their uphill times. But there was only 19 seconds between their downhill times. So you can lose a fantastical amount of time on the uphill if you're not properly conditioned for it. And, you know, it's, it's partly just a result of the fact you spend longer running uphill. So if you're slower than the next person, he is going to win time every single minute. You know, he's going to gain on you. And he has, whereas on the descent, you don't have as much time. There is a saying that um, on a blog, I think it's called All About Vertical. They say the race is made on the uphill and won on the downhill. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd well believe it and agree with that, uh, Renny, completely. Well, listen, Renny, it's been a fascinating discussion this week. Thanks a million, as always. We look forward to, to seeing those trail running plans when they come out. I think that maybe will be published on the Eco Trail website. And if anybody wants to get in touch with you, you can be found on runningcoach.ie, where there's a whole host of magnificent articles that Renny has done over the last couple of years. Lots of superb training information there. Rene, until next time and thank you very much. Until then on, thank you. Time for the feature interview of episode six. And this week, we're delighted to have with us the head of tourism for Wicklow, Fred Verdier. Fred, of course, is also the man behind Eco Trail Wicklow. Fred is from France, but he's been living in Ireland now for a number of years. He married an Irish girl and has a fantastic, beautiful Irish family as well. And it's a great chat with Fred because we talked to him about his vision of Eco Trail Wicklow and the highs and lows involved in trying 
trying to organise a world-class trail running race. Um, he's been doing some incredible work for Ireland, for trail running in Ireland over the last couple of years. I've seen him with an Irish flag at the Eiffel Tower in Paris. I've seen him in Chamonix in, in UTMB week in France and um, where he's pr promoting Ireland, promoting Wicklow, promoting, of course, Eco Trail. And he's done an incredible job with it. He's also behind the Trail Running Ireland website. He's full of ideas, full of passion, full of energy for trail running in Ireland. Um, so it's a great pleasure to welcome him to the show this week. Apologies on the bad sound that you'll hear from my end in this interview. A bit of a funny COVID-19 microphone story. I got myself two new microphones to try and improve the sound quality for when I'm doing interviews. Neither of them worked. And when I went back to the shop to exchange them, they said that due to COVID-19, um, microphones cannot be exchanged because of the risks involved of maybe picking up the virus once a microphone has been used. So uh, I'll leave it at that. You can imagine the frustration. But so apologies for the bad sound. But Fred's voice comes through loud and clear and his energy for trail running in Ireland. And indeed, the passion that he has for Wicklow and knowledge of the trails in Wicklow comes through clearly and strongly. Enjoy, everybody. Fred Verdier. Fred, you're very welcome to Trail Running Ireland. How's it going? Good, Owen. How are you? Good, thanks. Good, friend. Great to have you on the show, Fred. Look, Fred. I feel like a complete fraud here. I mean, with all the previous great people you had, I shouldn't be here. But anyway, let's give no. it a go. But Fred, that's exactly what we wanted to do today because we've been talking to a lot of the top Irish runners over the last couple of weeks. And I just thought it would be great to, to change the pace this week and talk to somebody who is relatively new to trail running and can offer the listeners a different perspective maybe on how to enjoy the trails in Ireland and specifically Wicklow in your case. So maybe the first question Fred to, to start us going is when and how did your trail running adventures, how did they begin? Uh, look, I mean, um... I, I, through work, really, that's where it, it really started. I got a, a, um, a call from Fulch Island um, uh, back, oh, it was seven, eight years ago. And um, the, the lady said that we have, she said, I have uh, two journalists, three journalists from an Italian trail running magazine that want to come and run the week away. And I'm like thinking, running the week away? Like, we're talking 120 something kilometers. It's like, are they mad? And we both laughed because they didn't know what to do with them. I didn't know what to do with them. But then uh, those lads, uh, they came over to the office in Wicklow Town. We had a chat. We um, looked at the map and then they uh, we planned some sort of a route from Tinnahili. Uh, it was a, we did a three-day route that they started in Tinnahili. And uh, they, the first day they did Tinnahili to Glendalough. The second day they did Glendalough to Enniskerry. And the last day they did Enniskerry back to Dublin. And... Um, uh, they really enjoy their, their their time in in Ireland. We kept in touch. What happens after uh, is that a year after, I got a call from them, and they say, "Look, we're setting up a trail running event in southern Italy, and they were looking for journalists to cover and promote the event that were going to be that was going to be on uh, the following October." And um, I didn't know anybody from trail running or anything, and then the guy said, "Well, look, why don't you come and?" Uh, uh, and you know you know what we're about, and then uh, see what it's like. So I got invited to, uh, I think it was four days in in uh, 
Gargano, which is a lovely, lovely, lovely place uh, in uh, the region Puglia in southern Italy. And um, we were a group with various um, uh, journalists from all over Europe. And we had the, 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 the trips structure where we would run 10, 15k in the morning up in the uh, hills. Uh, and then the afternoon we were fed, visited some lovely uh, places around southern Italy. And then uh, the day, the, the following day started again. Now, I, I, I ran the first two days. I died, literally. But one thing, I, I, but I, I love the experience. I mean, it was so good because at the same time you could indulge, you know, having burned a lot of the calories in the morning, you could eat and then uh, uh, um, enjoy whatever the, the Italian were throwing at us. That was great, brilliant, brilliant. And I loved that thing so much that we came back and then organized uh, two years in a row, a group of Irish runners to go down to the event, uh, uh, Gargano Running Week, and they have it uh, still going on. And um, that was the beginning of, of the, uh, the trail running adventure. Loved the thing. I absolutely loved the thing. Sure. And, and over the last couple of weeks, Fred, we've been talking to Irish internationals, the likes of Paddy O'Leary, Sarah McCormack, Ian Conroy, and I've been asking them for their tips for people listening on how to become better and stronger runners in the mountains. But say for yourself, who started off running, maybe in your mid-40s, I think it might have been. Yeah. For, for, for people that are listening who maybe are like yourself, who are, you know, coming out of lockdown or this year just looking for something new, what tips and advice can you give to those people? Um, the, the hardest parts that you experienced as you were starting off or any good tips that you um, used in your training as you were starting off? Look, I'm, I'm different than those guys. When I, I, I don't like running, I never did. Uh, I remember in university writing a paper how much I hated running. Um, so running was never my thing. I did enjoy the Pyrenees, uh, walking. I'm French, uh, going up in the in the south uh, south of France, and then we we used to go with the family hiking a lot up in the mountains. And I loved the mountains. And I, I one of the things I was doing as a kid was running down the mountains. So you know th there was a I loved the 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 the, the mountains, and I loved uh, going fast, but not running. And that's what trail running was for me, an initial um, uh, experience where you didn't have to run all the time. Uh, and this is where I started my journey. Obviously, you know, like you said, mid-40s, hitting a bit of extra weight uh, on on uh, on the tummy and the, the upper body. The knees weren't great either. Um, and so I, I had to, the first thing was is I had to change my way of running uh, and, and move the the how do you say that the, the stride was more on the heel and then I had to bring it to the uh, front or the flat of the foot. I read a great book as well that helps a lot and I highly recommend anybody that uh, considers going into trail running was uh, the book Born to Run by Christopher Christopher McDowell. Uh, a great book and all of a sudden the whole idea is like being up in the mountains, going a bit fast, um, reducing the, the, the gear um, and fully exercising my journey was uh simple run on anything that is not a road so i did park runs but on the grass i did um uh, beach runs uh, barefoot uh whenever i was going up the hills it was um walk up run down so it, it, and it's still a gradual 
um, experience. Now I'm slow, and I'm always going to be slow. I'm I'm a big lad, so it, it's it, it, it's never it's never been about um, uh, uh, running fast. It's really to enjoy the experience out there. There has never been um, an outing, a trail running outing that has been uh, bad. Uh, sometimes when I'm on the roads, if I have to run, and I do do a few a few runs on the roads. Um, because of the, the the joints and and the the, the pounding on the on the knees, uh, I come I finish the run and I'm sore. Uh, the heels are different. You're always constantly looking where you put your feet. Um, it's it has a softer ground on the uh, on on the on the foot as well. It makes it more gentle to the joints. It's a much easier experience. It, it's a more enjoyable experience. Um, sure. I love. It's very, it's very different to the road, Fred, I think, as well. Oh, if you're training for, say, a road marathon, you really have to be running probably, you know, at least four times a week. Where I know with yourself, um, you've said to me before that if you're training for a trail race, whether it's an eco trail race, an IMA race or whatever it might be, you don't necessarily have to be running every time you go to train. You can maybe run on the trails twice a week, but then you do lots of other things like swimming, stand-up paddle, walking, yoga. And between, and between the combination of everything, that will actually get you in decent shape for a trail running race. And, and nobody's asking you, what pace are you running at? Or, you know, are you going for a sub-four-hour marathon or sub-three hours? That is just about actually getting through the course and having an enjoyable experience as well. I mean, if you, you, you mention Eco Trail, and we're going to go back to that one later on, but I think a lot of the people doing the the the, the eighteen or the twenty nine k, there was a lot. There were a lot of people that just went out for the experience. So a lot of it was walking fast, and your sweat and your experience. But but it was it, it's still um, uh, you cannot compare with the road. I mean, there are obviously the elite guys that are going to try to run that thing, and they do, and that's amazing. And I'm in awe with that one. But the the uh, the vast majority when you you're starting a trail race, it's about finishing the race and it's about enjoying the journey. Um, uh, road, it's about timing. Um, you know, I've done a 10k with um, friends and they're always on the road and they're always looking at the watch to see if they're on the the, the constant at their um, as, as pace. Uh, trail run, there's no two trail runs uh, that there are the same. You know, you might, we're talking about distance, we're, we're also talking about uh, climb and descents and how the ground is, if it's technical or not. Um, so there, there's such a variety of, of, of uh, experiences. And um, yeah, I mean, it's such, it, it, it's discovering the, 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 the outdoors and having a, a great, exercise uh, at the same time and everybody has a different uh, have different levels for me it's just an enjoyable ex experience to be out there you know and Freddie you have a very special relationship with with Wicklow and um, you're the head of tourism there with Wicklow County Council and um, I'm sure a tough but enjoyable job I'm sure especially at the moment this year and you run a lot on the trails in Wicklow as well where are your favorite places to run in Wicklow? And I know you know a lot of the history of those trails as well. Some fascinating history and some fascinating trails in Wicklow. Look, I'm, 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 I have a great product to sell, to be honest with you. Uh, and in terms of trails, um, 
Look, Wicklow, because where it, it's located, because of the shape, you know, the, 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 I think it's the biggest, it's a large mountain area in Ireland, uh, 30 kilometers of coast, uh, the highest mountain as, outside of Kerry, um, the, the, the biggest forestry area. Uh, we have a network of trails that, um, you know, as with the Wicklow as the backbone, and then uh, the county council and the local uh, communities have come up with the, and indeed some uh, uh, local landowners like Quiltshire, Belmont and other places that have come up with uh, uh, new trails to connect with the Wicklow Way or loop trails around. There's tons of places to choose from um, in Wicklow. And like you said, it's not necessarily just about the, the trails themselves, but it's also the history behind the whole destination. Um, when I sail a, a, a walk through um, the Wicklow Way, it's not just uh, a, a walk through fantastic landscape and sceneries and villages and stuff. It's also a journey through Irish history. I mean, um, we have tombs uh, up there that are older than the pyramids. I'm talking Seafin up there that some of the people might know. Uh, again, when you look at the entrance, this is 5,000 years old. Um, the early Christian, Glendalough being the main place, but Glendalough area, um, you know, that, that, that early Christian settlement that came um, in, in the Wicklow area to contemplate like St. Kevin did in, in the, uh, the Glendalough Valley in, in the 6th century. Uh, and then, you know, the Normans, the Vikings, the rebellions. I mean, there's great stories about, um, uh, and those hills have been run for hundreds of years but you you have uh, every christmas or um uh, over the the january there, there's the the race the um um uh what's the race oh this this is this, i can't remember the race it's it's um commemorates the the escape from dublin castle of Oh, what's the name? Yeah, I know, Phil. I can't think of the name. We'll, we'll oh, look. What's the name of the race? Yeah. We'll find it out. But say, history yeah. behind this, and there's also the uh, Michael Dwyer um, during the 1798 rebellion that was never caught for five years, and then um, uh, the reason then it was sh sh shipped to Australia. But the reason the military road was built was to bring the troops up there to catch the rebels up there. So th there's so much history in the back of Wicklow that makes it such a um, a, a fantastic destination for, for, for trail running. Uh, Art O'Neill Challenge, that's the one, sorry about that. It's the Art O'Neill Challenge that we have in, uh, over the, the, the winter uh, season. And I think everybody can see, Fred, that the passion that you have. Like I know that it's your job as well, you know, looking after tourism for Wicklow. But you have this incredible passion for, for the trails in Wicklow, but also around the country as well, because because of that passion, um, you decided to build the Trail Running Ireland website to, to bring trail running um, to the different trails that we have in Ireland, to, to more people, try and market Ireland internationally as well with the many different trails that we have. So maybe just tell us about that project that you started, Trail Running Ireland as well, where that came from and and what your plans are maybe for, for that too. Look, I mean, that trailrunningireland.com, it, it still is a blog and a bit of fun to see, you know, um, can we help Ireland become a, uh, grow the, the trail running uh, sport in Ireland, but also help trail run, uh, Ireland become a, a trail running destination for the overseas market. 
you and I, I mean, you know what it's the market that is um, in in uh, the trail running market in France, in Spain, uh, Italy, UK, the US, uh, and this and and all of Asia is growing as well with with trail running. This is it's a it's a niche market that is super attractive at the moment, and it's and there's no reason why. It, it, I mean, it's going to grow uh, uh, more and more. Um, we through, through that through that and that platform is a bit of fun, and we're going to try to you know um, gather a bit more information to help people to um, um, organize their their um, um, trail running uh, journey uh, into Ireland. But we got some journalists and influencers uh, coming from uh, the, the the states, from uh, Spain, um, and and the feedback that we got from all of the people coming uh, was overwhelming, overwhelmingly positive. Everybody thought that Ireland was a fantastic destination. And I remember um, speaking to uh, two lads from the US, Brian Metzler and um, Adam Chase, big guys within the, the trail running community in the US. And... Um, They'd been three days running around um, Wicklow, and before they left, we sat down together, and the lads were saying, uh, "Look, this is one of the best trail running um, uh, uh, destinations or holidays we've had, and this is um, uh, um, uh, this is something that comes out and out um, all the time when, when people come in and do a bit of running in, in Ireland." Do you know one of the thing, key thing as well? This is a uh, it's a it's a, a a year-round destination that we have here. Um, you know, it's it's any time of the year you can go and do, uh, and we know that uh, you can go out uh, out in the in the mountains and then and run uh, and do a bit of trail running. When um, you know the Alps in winter, there's no trail running there; it's too cold. Spain, I don't envy you in the in Madrid when it's like forty degrees going running. You couldn't do that here. It's Britain year-round. And the scenery, like you said, throughout Ireland, I mean, you know, the north, the west coast, uh, the south, it's just unbelievable, this, the diversity of, the, of uh, scenery that we have. I think that it's going to be a very exciting couple of years for trail running in Ireland over the next five years. I think traditionally Ireland has been a fantastic road running nation and um, only natural when we have one of the best road marathons in Europe with the Dublin Marathon. But I think, you know, people are naturally beginning to drift more onto the trails as well, to, to escape the cities, to, to try something new. And, you know, those, those big races that are in France, Spain and Italy, people are becoming more and more aware of them. There's more and more Irish people going to UTMB, for example. Yeah. Uh, and I think... There's some really exciting times ahead. Even a lot of our trail runners, they're getting faster and stronger as well. There's more buzz on social media about the sport as well. Eco Trail last year was a great success. We'll get onto that now as well. Lots of other good races around the country too. Imra continuing to grow. So I think it really is exciting times, isn't it? I think, do you, do you know, the, 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 the even in the, the fact five, six years or seven years, I've been involved in, in some sort of trail running. You can see that it it, it is growing in Ireland. There's no doubt. Um, even speaking with the stores, um, they're they're selling more uh, trail running shoes than they've ever done before. So there is a gen and even us going up in the mountains, you can see a lot more people going and running. Uh, uh, so yeah, I mean the the um, do you know what one little thing that I realized uh, going back to France is. 
if if you, every little village in France that has a bit of scenery and a bit of trails have set up their own trail running event as a as a promotional product um, because it brings people to the best areas and it's a fabulous way to discover a new destination. I you know it, it, there is no doubt that we, it it is going to grow and and boom a lot more within the next uh, uh, years in Ireland for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, maybe that brings us nicely on Fred to Eco Trail Wicklow. And I know you know there's probably lots of runners listening in, and, and I'm going to include myself in this category as well. That I'm sure so many of them have taught over the years. I'd love to be the race director of a race, whether it would be on the roads or their own trail running race now. And yeah, I'd love to have my own race and um, work as a race director. So I wanted to talk to you about Eco Trail Wicklow and your experience with that as the main driving force behind it. So maybe to start off, where did the idea, the vision, of eco trail come from? Uh, look, uh, go back to what you were saying earlier. We all wanted to have some sort of a uh, set up an event uh, at some point. I remember three, four years ago, I said, "Wouldn't it be great to have a trail running?" Having experienced the various races in, in Italy and other places, I said, "Wouldn't it be great to have a, a trail running race in in, in in Wicklow?" And I know Imra has been there, but um, and, and they've done a great, great job. But I wanted to be something a bit more of a marketing tool um, and I was always looking what routes and everything but there was never uh, the opportunity to do this and this is where EcoTrail comes in. Um, I got a call from uh, the head of EcoTrail International, Jean-Charles Perrin from Paris. Um, EcoTrail is this, um, uh, I, I got a call early, oh, it was mid 2018, I think our first contact was in June and then he came over in, in uh, um, September, October to make a presentation here. Um, EcoTrail is this uh, trail running uh, network of races uh, with the concept to connect the cities with the outdoors. So EcoTrail was set up in Paris some 12 years ago with the idea to use the forestry around Paris and then bring the runners into the city center to have the iconic finish line on the first floor of the Eiffel Tower. And it worked, and it worked really well to the extent that now um, EcoTrail Paris has uh, 12,000 plus participants on an annual basis when it runs because of that. Incredible. So it's a, it's, a, it's a big event and they have, um, they've structured to have a variety of uh, distances. Um, and uh, you know, you have the ATK finishing on the first floor of the Eiffel Tower, but the other races finishing in front of the Eiffel Tower. So all the iconic stuff, and so the the um, the um, when Jean Charles came and he said, "Look, I would love to have a um, a race in in Ireland." Now, what EcoTrail has done in the meantime is the concept was so good that they got in touch with um, local uh, uh, organizers in various cities around Europe initially, and then um, ten years on, they've set up. Um, uh, there's an eco-trail in Brussels, in Reykjavik, in Oslo, in Stockholm, in Geneva, in Florence, in Madrid. Uh, we have Madeira in Funchal. Uh, and then they've opened two eco-trails in Thailand and um, Malaysia. Uh, there's, they've had the first eco, uh, trail running race in Saudi Arabia in February, just before the lockdown. Uh, they're looking at potentially opening up the North American market and everything. So... 
when Jean Charles came in, uh, it, the initial my initial thought is say, you know, we have plenty of races as well. So I wasn't I wasn't too sold. But at the same time, he said, look, we're going to buy we're buying into a big international network of a growing sport. Very and it's a way to um, it's a great opportunity to reach a niche market. Uh, and it's for me, it was a fantastic opportunity to showcase Wicklow as an outdoor destination. That really was for me. The initial step of Eco Trail was use this as a promotional tool to sell Wicklow as a, as an outdoor destination. Um, and then, so w- with with the concept of Eco Trail, I said I could not but try to make it happen uh, because of the exposure we were going to get uh, on the back of of the the brand. Um, but it's you know once you have the the idea, then it's the implementation that is a different ball game for 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 everything. Sure. <laughs> it's, it's funny maybe how Fred as well that you know you got that call just maybe a few years after you started your own trail running adventure. So it was a fate, wasn't it, that you had just discovered trail running yourself. And then, you know, maybe two or three years later, you got a phone call from one of the biggest international race series in the world. Do you want, do you want to, yeah, to your do you job want, where you work? So, do you know the truth? I mean, it's, it's serendipity or whatever you call it, you know, being there at the right time. It, it, do you want to know the truth? I got EcoTrail gave me a call um, three years ago. And the, 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 the approach, it was a different girl that came to me and then she, the approach she had is said, we want to organize a trail in Ireland and it's going to cost you so much. And she saw it wrong. And I said, look, I've got plenty of events already. I don't want another one. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the concept, is, when you have a vision like this, it, it, it's a... Yeah, it's it's a it's a big task to un, uh, to to take on and and really um, uh, maybe if you want we can we can go into the uh, uh, explain the various sure. struggles well, because I was that's what it was you, initially, you know. Yeah, I was going to say to you that you, you probably had your your marketing and tourism team behind you there in Wicklow County Council, but I'm sure you needed a different set of skills. To um, to organise an eighty kilometer, a forty five kilometer race around the Wicklow Mountains. So yeah, I, I presume you very quickly realised that you couldn't do it on your own, and that you needed to get some professionals in to help. Well, look, I, I, obviously, I'm not a race organiser, and you touched on the fact that we're more a, we're a marketing entity. Uh, so, and this is where you know, once we say, okay, what do we do? Um, I had to uh, you f- go to the people you know, and um, uh, we I met with um, Rene, your your a fantastic uh, um, coach, uh, who met with, who, who um, and then we we had a three uh, we, we met in in some um, uh, shop in Rathdrum um, with Paul, and they hadn't worked together, but all of a sudden. Um, Paul Mahan with is um, uh, Paul is, is has been organizing races for I don't know 10 15 20 years now I don't know how long he's been there but he's, he's the one behind Runamuck. Uh, he's now organizing the um, um, uh, weekly adventure uh, the, the um, uh, what's the 
um, the one in Glendalough. I mean, the adventure races, it, it's been organizing adventure races throughout, throughout uh, for, for various years now. And um, uh, the two of them, and, and Rene has done a few races as well. He's done the, uh, um, the Lap of the Gap uh, races in Glendalough. And the two of them came up, they became a team uh, and took on the whole implementation of the race itself. So all the, 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 uh, the, the race organizing uh, was done by them and the promotion was done through, uh, through myself uh, with their support as well. But um, that's not where it, it stops. You had to have the buying in by the whole community, the various uh, um, uh, landowners, uh, the various organizations. Uh, so, you know, we, we, we had to go to sell the project to the county council in Wicklow. We had to work with Bray Municipal District. We had to call, talk to uh, Quilch, uh, uh, the forestry landowner, the national parks, um, we teamed with uh, uh, Pure Project to develop that all eco-friendly, which um, EcoTrail is very strong in. Leave No Trace uh, as well was, was one of the key um, uh, uh, partnership in Ireland as well. So it, it, it became this multi-agency, multi-skilled people to come together to sit down and um, we had to sell the vision and in fairness, everybody bought uh, into that vision, um, we had uh, concerns about the roots, concerns about the landowners, and because I think everybody saw the bigger picture, it was not just an event to another. It was not just another event. It was an event to bring Wicklow and uh, our destination to uh, the next level. You know, and an opportunity to reach a worldwide market. Uh, so that that made the whole. It was just sit down in plenty meetings. I mean, I. I don't want to bore you with, but we had to constantly going back and forth and then defining the routes and everything. It was just a, a, a lot, a lot of work uh, in, in the background by a lot of people. I, I can imagine, Fed, the distress involved in it. And like, without, without going into details, but, but I do just want to ask the question because a lot of people might think that Eco Trail is just a commercial race that it's done just for marketing or just to make money for Wicklow County Council. And a lot of people maybe think, oh, I think I'll, I'll try and set up a race and uh, make some money from it. But the reality is very different. And I know this from talking to race organizers in Spain as well. It's a huge financial risk. Um, unless you have literally, you know, some state backing, some state funding, sponsorship money on board as well. And um, to make money from a race is really, really difficult. And it's far from just an event where whoever it might be is looking to make money from. That That is far from top of the agenda, I think. It's, it look, it, 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 in my head, um, and this is why I was very reluctant to make to do an event because I know you're going to lose money for a certain amount of years before you actually make uh, start making money. Um, and and for us it was and it still is uh, from the county council and Wicklow tourism point of view it's not a money making exercise at all. It's a promotional tool number one. Now the lads uh, that organised the race on the ground. Um, ideally, there has to be a time when they start making money. But to tell you the truth, um, it, it's not it's not going to be easy, even with uh, big numbers that we hope to get. Uh, anyways, um, it, do you know the, the the first thing that happened is 
back to Ecotrail in, in Paris, I had a, uh, my, my initial talk with uh, Jean-Charles in Paris. He said, what sort of budget w w did you have when you started Paris? And he came back to me and he was saying, look, my initial budget was to have a quarter of a million euro. And that was 10 years ago. And I said, I can't do this. This is just too much. Again, it, it, it became an investment from the Cannes Council. Uh, we got funding opportunity. We, we did a, um, an application to the leader, pro, uh, uh, leader um, uh, what do we call it, country with a partnership, uh, which leader funding. Fulcharn gave a bit of a, something. Again, it was all behind uh, selling a vision of what we were trying to achieve. Um, it's Events, uh, for me, I uh, have never been about making money. They cannot make it. For me, it's it's a it's a promotional tool initially. Um, but then, all the players, we took the risk. You know, winter tourism took the financial risk on year one, definitely. So I said, look, we're gonna. It's gonna cost us a certain amount of uh, tens of thousands of uh, tens of thousands of of euro to make it happen. Um, and and. Um, but it's you know I would spend that that much money in marketing campaigns, uh, and this for me was an initial marketing campaign. Anyways, that's what it was about. Sure. Well, I think it's becoming a fantastic brand for Wicklow and even for Ireland Fed because I know from day one when you got in touch with me about going to work at Eco Trail as the start and finish line announcer. Anytime I spoke to you about it. it there were always such positive conversations and I could see the, the positive energy that you had about the race you were in Paris with an Irish flag on the Eiffel Tower in Oslo you were there in Chamonix at the UTMB again with the Irish flag and um, flying the flag proudly and just doing superb promotional work and then of course when race day came around last September 2019 you know you were there from early in the morning, last one there at night. It must have been a very proud day, along with Paul and Rene, to, to see that vision, to see that dream of, of having this internationally recognised race um, in your backyard in Wicklow, to see it become a reality, to see everybody home safe, happy runners, lots of local businesses supporting the event as well it, it must have been a wonderful day look i i, I as you as you say those words i i get i still get the goosebumps because I, it was it was such a high uh but if in a food of you know we, we were all very nervous um, and, and worry about the event now to go back to chamonix as well you like your enthusiasm made the day uh you know when, when i when I met you then in, in Chamonix, I said, you uh, race announcer of what is the best or biggest race in the world. I said, I'd love to have that in Wicklow. I would love to have that in Britain. This is why, to some extent, you brought that as well on the day, which was fantastic to have. Um, look, it, it's... It's a lot of nerves. It's and it's a fabulous day. The weather was there at the beginning. We it was slashing rain. In, in, in it was like seven, five o'clock when it started uh, raining. But most everybody had was back. Um, it's it's it was a lot of high, a lot of pride. Um, it, it it was just um, you know you know we had because we you know that race 
we had um, 32% of entries were foreign nationals. We had 39 different nationalities. And people there, because of that EcoTrail network, we got people from all over the world to come. And it was also um, a, a test to see, you know, do we have a good race? How does that compare with international um, uh, international events? I And I remember the, the, this guy finishing the line and he came to me and I met him at, at UTMB uh, and, and the guy was coming to me with, he had tears in his eyes and said, Fred, this is a fantastic race. And we were all like, great you know this is exactly what we're looking for and in in fairness um uh, paul renee yourself did such an amazing my job was done so i didn't have to do anything on the day other than you know make sure that we get the right images and then you know get the experience you guys the three of you just put a show on on uh, for, during the whole day i mean you were there until nine o'clock nine thirty until the the pompier you remember the the came, came uh, finished line with lots of emotions and tears, just an amazing experience of the day. And in, um, and it was through the hard work that, that they did that we put together. And then yourselves on the day put the whole thing to make it such um, uh, an exciting day. You know, we had the, the county manager at the finish line, again, buzzing. Um, a, a variety of people that came in, experiences the place. And it's just the roots that we had as well. I mean, um, um, oh, and we, I think we, we hit a big, uh, that was a big win on that one, managing to get people leaving from the seafront in Bray, up Brayhead, into Kilrothery, just unique access. We, you know, there's no roots there. The land, the guys open up the, the, their, their land, little Sugarloaf, over the big Sugarloaf, into um, uh, Powerscope Waterfall, Again, unique play, unique time to get to 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 see this, uh, you know, uh, uh, in a race. I ran um, the Wickler way into um, the Ranwood Reservoir, uh, Lochte at first, and then the Vartry at, at Ranwood and back again. You know, the, if you think of the diversity of what we've offered on the day, you know, it's it's unique. It really is unique, and wow. it ups and down and ups and down and like, like the image that we got on the on the day was just I know, mind blowing. You know, I remember what really struck me, Fred, was um, just the, the community spirit that day as well. The buy-in from the local businesses as well. I remember the guys from Wicklow Wolf were there at the finish line with their non-alcoholic beers. Great partnership, I tell you. It was great partnership yeah. there. The, the, the guys from the Martello, we used them as race headquarters. And just the whole of Bray was part of the day. And I mean, I, I'm very much a dub. All my family are from Dublin. But I think like a lot of Dublin people, we, we have a great connection with Bray from going out on day trips on the dart. And I know, I think if I'm right, my granny and granddad went on their honeymoon to Bray back in the 40s. And I mean, from, you know, since in the 1980s, the 90s, um, my mom and dad used to bring me and the kids out to Bray for, you know, day trips with my granny on, on a Saturday and Sunday. So to go back and work there as well and to see an international standard race in Ireland, in Bray, it was a very special moment for everybody. And I remember as well, a lot of the Irish mountain running team came out and a couple of them got on the podium that day as well. So it was really the complete day. And that maybe brings us on to, to year two, Fred. And I'm sure you've had some sleepless nights in 2020 oh, um, since, since February, since that horrible word, COVID-19, yeah. broke out. How have you been over the last couple of months 
planning for year two, which should have been a, a great a great coronation of, of year two and and building the event. But I'm sure it's been very tricky the last couple of months. Do you know? I mean, like my, I'm, I'm um, how do you say this? It, it was never going to be uh, plain sailing or whatever you call it. It's easy sailing on that one, but that added um, oh, a tremendous level of. I mean, my first reaction is say, "Look, we're going to have to cancel. That's it. You know, it's not going to work. It's not going to work." And I was very, I was pessimistic, really. Um, at the beginning of the uh, pandemic, and I said, "Look, you know, we're, you know, that event is doomed." Um, and in fairness, the lads, um, you know, Paul and Renee said, look, you know, we don't have to make a decision just yet and see what happens over the next few months. And then I had, I, I was thinking, I went back to the original thinking, you know, Ecotrail serves as a, initially was a, a, a promotional platform for, for, for Wicklow. And that still can happen. We know we can still talk about the event and, um, uh, and we know uh, that's what we're doing um, now. In fairness, uh, Ireland took the. It looks like Ireland took the. Uh, well, it has took the um, the pandemic very seriously, and um, you know, um, although we, it, it's it's been very tough for everyone, and, and you know, um, people lost their lives and and the families and everything. Um, but we are seeing the end of the tunnel at the moment. Um, because we're in September, end of September, you know, all the uh, the lights are green for the moment, uh, and th- th- there is no reason why we shouldn't have that event uh, in September. And and um, in fairness, um, uh, registration are going well. You know, people are very keen to go out. In uh, the sport of trail running is probably one of the um, best or ideal sports post COVID, where so natural social distancing in the outdoors. Um, we're talking about the event itself. I tell you what, but as soon as you hit Bray Head, social distancing happens naturally there, you know. And I know that the lads are, are working really, really hard at the moment with um, Eco Trail International to um, when the event goes ahead, we all put in place all the safety measure measures so uh, it is run as um, safe and as uh, best as we can considering the uh, it's going to be a different event there's no doubt i mean we can't have the big party at the end the buzz and the music and everything it's going to change a bit uh what we can guarantee though uh obviously we're going to monitor uh, and work with uh the the guidelines and the uh, hsc and everybody to make sure that we have a safe event if uh, and when we're allowed to do so at the moment it's green lights all over uh, um and then the, the um, but what we can guarantee is from the start to finish, the landscape, the scenery, the experience is going to be fantastic. And that's really where um, our, our um, unique setting point stands. Uh, you, you know, people coming into that event will still have, should have a fantastic day uh, up in the hills. And I know as well that yourself and Paul and Rene, you've been, you know, trying to work with, again, lots of local companies to, to help stimulate the, the local economy again and try and have some, some nice surprises on race day for all the competitors as well. And uh, what I've seen from talking to people who are, have entered 
it's just it's given lots of people something to look forward to as yeah. well. And I know just last week the Eco Trailblazers team was launched as well, where you have um, 12 people um, that are going to receive special Hoka trail running shoes, a few other little surprises as well, support from Rene as they prepare for their first trail running race so even though it will be different this year there won't be foreign people maybe and um, that travel from abroad and um, like there was last year lots of french people came in for example it's mainly going to be the irish and um, that will be there this year there's still lots of great positive things happening um, it's, it's still a great opportunity to really push to, towards the domestic market i mean you know we, we it is an opportunity for us to showcase the sport within the uh, um, uh, within Ireland and, and again showcase the destination and, and uh, yeah I mean it's an opportunity no matter what yeah yeah well, well listen Fred it, it's been great talking to you and I think that the take home messages are that it's never too late to, to start trail running and and if you have a vision a dream you know if it's to set up your own race to, to go for it, be prepared to work hard and, and look for the very best team that you can to, to make that dream a reality, but with lots of hard work, lots of positive positivity. Um, teamwork. Dreams, teamwork, yeah. Dreams teamwork. can come true. Um, and Fred, I can't let you go um, without asking you, if you could name one trail for us, your, your favourite place to go training whether it's Dublin, Wicklow, wherever it might be, where would you go if you had to go training in the morning time and you had your choice? Look, um, for, for, I'll be biased, but the Glendalough area, um, I don't want to send too many people in the same place, but it's just such a beautiful place. Uh, the Spink, small enough, not, long, not too long for me, which is great. But this being with the the, the the climb and the views over the the, the valley, like you can't beat that. You know, um, it, it's just an amazing place to do that. Uh, I, I, what, last, uh, if you want one little story, I had a business meeting uh, one evening last year. It was in summertime. I uh, went a bit early, ran the spink. I had a dip because you can't swim in the lake, but I had a little dip in the lake and then went for my meeting. And it was just a magical moment. Yeah, well, with, with that nice vision, um, Fred, of, of that wonderful area and thinking of a, a great positive day come September 26th, in just over two months' time, Fred, we'll, we'll say au revoir, merci beaucoup, and Fred, <laughs> looking forward to, to seeing you at the end of September for Eco Trail 2020. Pleasure. Thank you very much for that, Owen. Take care, Fred. All the best. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap for episode six, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it and a big thank you to Fred for his time and good luck to him and all the organizing team behind Eco Trail and indeed all the race organizers around the country who are preparing and working hard to get their races up and running again. I know from talking to the Eco Trail office that race entries have been flying out the door over the last few weeks. So do sign up if you are thinking of doing so before the sold out sign goes up. Don't forget Rene's great tip 
tips this week of not forgetting the element of speed in your training it will be worth it as you sprint home to the finish line in whatever race you are doing many thanks as always to corkman shane o'mahony on drums with his band basic instinct for our very cool soundtrack everybody enjoy those sprints this week get your running gear on let's go